0: Uh, I'm going to title this message, uh, The Object of God's Affection. Actually, there are four titles to this message. Did you ever hear a preacher say he's got four titles to his message, Uh, Gary? Now you have. See what you've been missing? And I want you to see each one as we go through them. Because I could have made bullet points, you know. But, and that's cool. That's fine. But I wanted them to be specific to the occasion in this message. And that's why I have four titles. Number one is The Object of God's Affection. That's one title. Number two is God, You're Mistaken. Title number three, I'll Tear the Walls Down. Title number four, The Setup. the object of God's affection, God, you're mistaken, I'll tear the walls down, and the setup. Go with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 is one of the most important chapters in the entire Bible. And I'm saying that with all all intensity in me and concern that we, when we read, remember what we were supposed to do when we read our Bibles, number one, we do what? Take pictures, number two, number three, number four, slowly, number five, do you remember number five, attitude, thank you, and and number six, you got your little trowel, you know, your flower pot trowel, okay, you need that this morning, Acts chapter 10. Is this light on? Could it be on? Thank you. That helps an old man tremendously. Acts chapter 10. Now, there there are 48 verses, and I'm not going to read them all. But I, I want to give you a homework assignment. Would you sit down today, tomorrow, during the week, and read this entire chapter and go through those six things that we've discussed? Because you won't believe what's here. Acts chapter 10. Now, there was a certain man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. The word cohort in our language is battalion. Okay? A devout man, one who feared God with all his household, gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. There's stuff in here that you can't believe. About the ninth hour of the day, which is 3 p.m., he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come into him and said to him, Cornelius. And fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Hear this, check this out. Your prayers and alms, that's giving, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now, dispatch some men to Joppa, send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a certain tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who was speaking to him had departed, he, Cornelius, summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were in constant attendance upon him, and after he explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The object of God's affection. There's a man out here, his name is Cornelius. He is a complicated man. He's part of the Roman army. You need to hear clearly who Cornelius is. He's part of the Roman army. He's a centurion. In today's parlance, he would be a full colonel in the army. And he has somewhere between 800 to 1,000 men in his battalion. Please take your pictures. Please begin to see what's going on in this man's life. He has got responsibility like you can't believe, and he's got people who are responsible to him like you can't believe. He also happens to be Italian tall, dark, ruggedly handsome. Italian soldier, in total opposite of the short, dark, ruggedly handsome, God-feared, Holy Ghost-filled, tongues-talking preacher that you love. Say amen. I need you to see the comparison. You got your cameras? Come on, take a good shot. You need to see who the man is. It is important that we check out this guy, okay? He is a total... Devoted soldier, and it says this man is a Gentile. Hello? Well, it doesn't say that there, but he is. Not only is this man a Gentile, he's a heathen. Now be careful of words. Words have a meaning to it. You can change those meanings to be terrible. Okay? You can hurt people by changing the meaning of a word. The word heathen in the Bible means you do not believe in Jehovah. That's what it means. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're going to hell. It doesn't mean I don't want to associate with you, which happens to be true in a lot of things. But understand the reality. This is a Gentile heathen who does not believe in Jehovah. And yet, it says he's devout. He fears God, which means he respects God. He leads his household in what they need to be doing. He has some kind of connection with the new Jewish Christians. Okay? He likes what he sees. He's influenced by them so much so that he gives them money. He finds out there's a hole in the roof. So he sends a few of his soldiers down to Home Depot. Get some roofing, go fix the roofing in the church. A couple months later, the air conditioner goes out. He finds a soldier, go down. He's doing things for a group of people that he doesn't really understand, but he sees something in them. That he doesn't see in other people. Hello. He likes what he sees. He's influenced by what he sees. He gives to these people. And the scripture says he prays continually. This is a man who is praying to a God he doesn't know. Question, got a question here? Oh, uh, there's a few questions here. Does God hear the prayers of the unsaved? Is that a good question? Anybody here heard of foxhole conversions? Huh? Have you been out there? Have you? I, I don't know your background, Matt, but have you been out, or just heard about it? I've been okay. I was preaching in a little church in the Central Valley of California when we were in the Evangelistic Road, ten years on the on the field, and I talked about foxhole conversions and how things happened in the shells and all that stuff. And after the service, I made an altar call, and several people came up, and I prayed with them. And one gentleman stood over to the side, just waiting for me to be through with these nice people who came for salvation and prayer. Then he came up to me and said, Preacher? I said, Yes, sir. He says, I'm one of them. I said, One of what? Foxhole conversions. The shells were dropping all around us. We dug and dug and dug as deep as we could. And he said, I said to God, If you get me out of this mess, if you save my life, I will serve you the rest of my life. He says, I'm here because he heard me. This is a Gentile who does not, he has heard about God, but he does not know God, but he is hungry for God. Oh, please, please, wake up! Do you know anybody that doesn't know God, but is hungry for God? Cornelius. In this process, this Gentile, this heathen, something happens to him in verse 3. It's the ninth hour of the day. It's three o'clock. He has servants. He's got a whole bunch of stuff. And he hit the uh, little speaker that goes down to the kitchen. And he says, I want a cup of espresso and Italian cannoli. (laughs) And they said, yes, Colonel, it'll be up in a few moments. And sure enough, the servant comes up with this nice Starbucks espresso, a little Italian cannoli, and he's sitting there having the time of his life, and an angel shows up. Verse 3, the ninth hour of the day, he clearly, clearly, this is not fog, this is not I having a hangover, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come into him and said to him, Cornelius, oh, 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 question. Rick, does God know your name? Oh, he does. But you don't know God, Rick. Does God still know your name? Oh, yeah. And so do his angels. God knows everything there is about you and so does his divine army know everything there is to know about you and when God gives instructions to his armies, they come running to you and they call you by name because they know who you are. Because you've done something to make God pay attention. Even though you don't know God. Cornelius. <laughs> Cornelius says, what? What? He shook up, fixing his gaze on him, being much alarmed. He said, what is it, Lord? You're here. I can see you're here. You see me. I don't know what's going on here. Would you like some espresso and a cannoli? No, that's not why I came. I came because God sent me to speak to you. Okay. What's he saying? Let me read. What is it, Lord? And here's the angel. Your prayers, remember, he's a man devoutly praying. Your prayers and your alms, he's giving to the Jewish Christian church. Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Can I go back over that one again? You don't know God, Gary, I'm sorry, you're a heathen, Gentile, you don't know God. But you've been listening to that little short, ruggedly handsome Italian preacher, and you've been given your tithes, and you've been and God is saying to you, your prayers and your lifestyle of giving. He has seen it. And as a result of what you have done, God is saying to you, this has become a memorial before God. Oh, give me a break. What memorial? What's going on here? Huh? Is there anybody here? Is there anybody here who has an architectural degree so that you can build memorials to God? Anybody? What college did you go to? I want to know. This is not a physical thing that the angel's talking about. This is a spiritual thing. This isn't something that Cornelius says, I think I'll work this out. I think I'll, I'm going to really impress God. I'm going to build you. This is not it. This man who does not know God has a hunger in him to do something for a God and for God's people that he doesn't know God, but he knows they're his people. And he's saying to himself, I've got to pay attention to what's going on in my spirit. I'll continue to pray. I'll continue to believe. I'll continue to give. And what do you know? I'm building a memorial before God and I don't have an architectural degree. Because it's not a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. We are wrapped up in the physical stuff. We're so wrapped up, it's unbelievable. And because we're so wrapped up in the physical, we've let go of the spiritual. Don't get me started. Cornelius didn't plan this, but he had a dedication to a God he didn't know but wanted to know. Folk, listen to me. This man is hungry for God. And God is available. And God is watching you. God is watching your friends. God is watching your family. He knows what's going on in all phases of your life. He knows what kind of... uh, attitude you have towards your neighbor—he knows what kind of influence you are to that neighbor. He knows when you walk into the store and you see so and so and so and so and so and so, and they don't particularly like you, but he knows that you love them. He knows everything, and he knows just how to use you. God is available. He's watching you. He's watching your family. Oh, trust me. He's watching your friends. I need to make a note here. I need to really make a serious note. Cornelius is the only person of record in the Bible that's ever built a memorial before God. Hello? Hello? Are you still with me? This is where you dig. You don't just read the Bible. You read it, and you start digging and finding out things. You ne- I never knew this existed. I have a problem with the Bible. That's okay, even though we're on, we're on tape. It's good to tell you I have a problem with the Bible. <laughs> don't shut me off. There are programs that help you read the Bible every day. Great. If you do that, thank God. I don't follow that, not because I don't think it's good. I think it's good. But my problem is, I'll grab a scripture. I'm looking for something, and all of a sudden, I get stuck. I can't get out of that scripture. I can't find the door that's letting me out so I can do something else. And that's what happens in chapter 10 of the book of Acts. I couldn't get out of there. And that's when God begins to open your eyes and shows you what pictures to take, what questions to ask, how to dig, read between the lines. God is watching. And here is a Gentile heathen who has built a memorial to Almighty God. Somebody say amen. Amen. The angel explains his visit. Okay, We're still in in title number one, the object of God's affection. He explains the visit, verse 5, and he gives instructions. Here it is. Dispatch some men to Joppa. Send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. we got the disciple, right? He's staying with a certain tanner named Simon, another guy, friend, whose house is by the sea. So the angel gives instructions, divine presence gives instructions to a non born again heathen Italian. Tall, dark, ruggedly handsome, however. And he obeys. Send your men. Find Peter. Because there's a thing going to happen. Between you. So Cornelius obeys. This is important. How? Why would you want to disobey God when you know He's actually talking to you? What profit? See, I I believe in profit and loss spiritually as well as otherwise. What profit is there in disobeying the voice of the Lord even though it comes to another person? He listens to the angel. He obeys the angel, which is very important. He sends for two servants and one secret agent service. You didn't know that Cornelius had secret agents. You think I'm crazy. I know you do. I can tell by the look. Okay, Secret service, verse 7. Listen to it. When the angel who spoke departed, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were in constant attendance upon him. That is the secret service. This man has 800 to 1,000 men in his battalion. You want to tell me he doesn't have a secret service? Do you have any idea what can happen with the people that you are responsible to and they are responsible to you when you follow the plan of God? Do you have any idea? Do you have an idea who it might affect and to what degree it might affect other people. His servants hear him. Secret service agent hears him. And on they go. Joppa and Caesarea are 33 miles apart. They call Uber donkey service. (laughs) They're not going to walk it. It's right there. Look at it. Come on. How do you think they got from Caesarea to Joppa? It might have been Uber camel service, but it was still Uber. (laughs) It's going to take a couple of days, even on a donkey or a camel. We're 33 miles apart. Check your maps, okay? So, verse 9. They're in process of leaving Caesarea to go to Joppa. Verse 9. Enter Peter. Nice guy. He's with his buddy Simon. It's the noon hour. Verse 9, the next day, as they were on their way, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour of the day to pray. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been to Israel. Have anybody ever been to Israel? Okay. One? Okay. My wife and I have had the privilege of being there three times over the years, way back when. And on one of our trips, we were on the bus. We were driving through some part of Jerusalem, I don't know where and we were high up enough so that we could look kind of down on some of the houses, they have rooftops. They actually have rooftop terraces on their houses. And here's this guy in his undershorts, washing his face, and we're all driving by, and the the, uh, driver beeps the horn, and the guy goes, Peter's on the rooftop. It's noon. He's hungry. His host, Simon the Tanner, and his wife, Simon the Tanner's wife, are downstairs preparing spaghetti and meatballs with sausage. (laughs) He's hungry, it's time to eat. Read your Bible. Dig. It is in this portion of time in Peter's life and his condition that the Bible says he falls into a trance and has a vision. Well, if you were waiting for pasta and meatballs and didn't get it, you'd have a vision too. Okay? Listen to it. He became hungry, desiring to eat, but while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance, and he beheld the sky open up, and a certain object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. Get the pictures out. Get your camera. I'm hungry, I'm starving, I'm in a trance, and all of a sudden, heaven's open up. Isn't this the point in life where we see heaven open up and we jump up and down and say, thank you, God, I see the heavens open. Oh, this is wonderful. Come on down. Well, you would think that. But when the sheet hits the ground and the sheet opens up, okay, there were all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. No, thank you. I don't want the heavens to open up because I don't like what you just showed me. Really. that sound familiar? You've been asking God to show you, show you, show you, and God shows you, Gary, and you go, ah, no way, Jose. He would say that. I know Gary. He would say, no way, Jose that's what's going on with Peter Peter's looking for something from God God is showing him something and when God shows him he says no oh and a voice came to him arise Peter, kill and eat but Peter said by no means Lord for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean Peter, title number two God you made a big mistake are you with me? Have you ever told God he's made a mistake? How many times has he listened to you when you said he's made a mistake? Never mind, Gary, don't answer. You better be happy, Matt, that I didn't pick on you. I always pick on Gary. He doesn't like what he sees. God is intervening in Peter's life. Peter is a Jew, but he's born again. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He spoke on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people got saved, and this godly man is telling God he's making a mistake. Well, huh? when you told God he made a mistake, how did he respond? Have you ever explained to God why he's wrong? And you won the argument? And he is saying to God, I won't do that. Hello? Put your name there, would you? Put my name there. I won't do that. I'm not paying attention to what I just said. I won't go there. I will not make this sacrifice that you're asking me to make because it is unreasonable. I'm a Jew, I don't mess with unclean people. You hope? Are we listening? You know I always have a reason for what I share with you. And God speaks to him. When God speaks, you better listen. And when God speaks, he always has an attitude. Always. God is not saying, well, Peter, if you feel that way, it's okay with me. I, I, I understand. You know, I, I. No, 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 no. That's not God's attitude. God says to him, what I have cleansed, don't you dare say. They're unclean. Three times God says that. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, no, And God says, don't you dare. Don't you ever, ever, ever dare to face me and tell me I'm making a mistake. Don't you dare call those people on the other side of town, people that you don't particularly like, that they're unclean, because I've got something going on in their lives. Well, God and we are not talking about animals. He's obviously talking about the unsaved. And the racial hatred between the Jews and the Gentiles was unbelievable, folk. And I'm not going to take the time to go into that. You could discover that on your own. Just take my word for it. The Jews did not like the Gentiles, and the Gentiles did not like the Jews. You're with me on that? Okay. Okay. Understand that, because he doesn't want to associate with those people. He thinks he's too good. Well, are there people here in the valley that you don't want to associate with? Oh, now I'm getting a little nosy. Now I'm getting too personal, Pastor. You didn't have to come today, did you? No, I could have said no. Are there things going on in certain areas in your life where you bump into people and you say, (laughs) I'm staying away. And God is trying to say, uh, don't call them unclean. Stay with me. Stay with me. God is doing something to Peter. And title number three is God is saying, I will tear down the walls between Jews and Gentiles, and I will use you, Peter, to bless Cornelius. God is not asking us to partake of their sin. God's not asking us to join their country club. God's not asking us to go out to to whatever they do, the nightclubs, all that. God's not asking us to do that. No, no. He's not telling you to get deep in sin so you can go out and save sinners. He's asking you to be willing to touch base with those people God sees hungry. Hungry for him. Cornelius is a Gentile, he's a heathen, but somehow he has a hunger in him for this almighty God. And God is saying to Peter, don't you dare tell me, you won't tell them about Jesus. How about that, New Hope? I got the shock of my life a few weeks ago. Now, we've been here 18 months in Nevada, Las Vegas. I've been to Las Vegas before years ago when my son was on staff at other churches. So I've always known that Las Vegas is sin city. Everybody knows that, okay. But this pandemic has done certain things. This is closed, and this is closed, and this is closed. Okay, God, okay. I'm watching the news, sitting in my chair, just behaving myself. And the newscaster says, the governor has now decided that it's safe to open up the brothels for business. I went, well, what, what did he just say? Now, understand, I know the nonsense. I know, the, but, but it hit me. The governor has just said that it's now safe to open up the brothels for business. I it's legal to sin in Sin City. You're allowed to sin in Sin City. Do I want to mess around with the owner of the brothels? No. But supposing God says, "Uh, Rudy, yeah, yeah. See this guy? Yeah, I don't... I want you to tell him. Oh, you got quiet here. I want you to tell this brothel owner he needs to change his ways. See, Who are we willing to talk to and who are we not willing to talk to? I'm not suggesting you go find out who owns the brothels and go talk. I'm not talking that. I'm talking about the idea of what God is trying to do. And new hope needs to be a part of what God is trying to do in this valley. Somebody better say amen. God's not asking us to join them. God's not asking us to partake in their sinful life. He's asking us to share Christ with them. And to do that, God had to change Peter's attitude. What about you? What about me? What about my attitude? What about your attitude? You know that there are things that you don't like in life. You know that there are people that you just, not, you just soon not be close to. That. It's true of every phase of our lives. I don't care where you've come from. There are people that you just rather not be around. But that may be your Cornelius. Hello? Hello? That may be the one that's hungry for God. That may be the one that prays continually to a God he doesn't know, but he's looking for him. That may be the one that has the influence in this valley that you need to come into with, and that influence can do things for new hope like you could never believe. His name is Cornelius. No, God's not asking you to join his club. No, 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 no. God is asking you to listen to the voice of God. He had to change Peter's attitude. What about you? What about me? What, about, what are our attitudes like? Do you know, and I, this is a shame to say this, but it's even true in churches within the structure of the church. We stay away from certain people because we don't like their attitudes. Nobody said amen. I got it. I want you to listen to God. I want you to read the word. I want you to understand the power of chapter 10 in the book of Acts. I want you to understand what a man who does not know God at all is suddenly reaching out to God. And God is doing his best to bring heaven down to earth for this man. What are you not willing to do? Because let me tell you something. If you're not willing to do what God asks you to do, God's going to slap you up the side of the head. Thank you for saying amen. Okay. Well, the Holy Spirit gives instructions to Peter. God said three times, kill and eat, kill and eat, kill and eat. Peter said, no way, Jose. It's not going to happen. Until it finally clicks. Don't you dare say that what I've called clean. Don't you dare say that it's unclean. So finally, it kicks in. And the Holy Spirit says to him in verses 19 and 20, I've got three men downstairs knocking on the door. They came for you. He says, I sent them. Don't have any misgivings whatsoever. You go with them. And so Peter says, okay, I'll obey. Isn't it about time we said to God, okay, I'll obey. Isn't it about time we say, I'll take the chance. Isn't it about time saying, you know, I don't particularly like that part of town or what goes on. But if you're telling me, then maybe I should listen. Maybe I should listen. The Holy Spirit gives him instructions. The men are knocking at the door. Peter obeys. It's about time Peter obeys. How about it, New Hope? I know there's just a handful of us here this morning. I understand that. But you're here for a purpose. Isn't it about time that as a church, we learned absolutely everything we can on how to obey God Because God wants to tear down the walls. That was the third title. I'll tear down the walls. The walls between Jew and Gentile. I'll tear down the walls. The walls between those holy, holy people at New Hope and some unholy people out there in the valley who are looking for God. You're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. God began this church with something in mind 30 some odd years ago before this kid ever thought he'd be here, before you ever thought I'd be here. There's a purpose for this church being alive in this valley. It's so that God can step in through you and reach out to the Cornelius that's out there and watch that person of influence come and find Jesus Christ as Savior filled with the Holy Spirit and watch what he does for God. Chapter 10, Book of Acts, and I'm not even getting started. You need to dig and dig and dig. I, I hope you'll do that. Title number one, the object of God's affection. Title number two, God, you made a mistake. Title number three, I'll tear the walls down. Title number four, the setup. Guess who's waiting. They get back on the Uber donkeys. They make their way back to Caesarea. Caesarea. They knock on Cornelius' door. Verse 27. I'm sorry, verse 24 through 27. Let me get there. Verse 24. On the following day, he, Peter, entered Caesarea. Now, Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives, close friends, and I'm sure part of his army. He's an influential man. When he says jump, they say how high? He's got people filling his house. And when it came about that Peter entered, Cornelius met him, fell on his feet and worshipped him. But Peter raised him up saying, stand up, I'm just a man like you. And as he talked with him, he entered and Peter found many people established. It's a setup. God already had this set up. God set this up with an unsaved man. He didn't set this up with the preacher. He didn't set this up with this charismatic church. He set this up because an unsaved man was hungry for God and kept crying out to God and trying to do things to find his way to God. And God said, I will take care of that hunger. God will always feed the hungry. And new hope needs to be a part of that feeding. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, let me go on. Cornelius is waiting. What were these people expecting? They don't know Simon Peter. All they know is what Cornelius has said to them. And we don't even know what that is. We could guess. I want you here. Sunday morning, I got somebody coming. I've never met the guy, but God told me to go ahead and get him. So I've sent some men out with with one of my secret service agents. They'll be back. I want everybody in the house there. They said, yes, sir. Influence. Influence. You have no idea what influence will do in a community. Well, they knew this was a setup. Cornelius knew this because the angel had already told him. He obeyed the angel. His men went and got him. His men came back with him. If that isn't a setup, I don't know what is. And Cornelius is a very intelligent man. He knows it's a setup. Okay. So, however, We've got to look one more time at Peter and his Jewish roots. It's verse 28. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's Peter's disclaimer. Verse 28. Let me get it. Peter said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with Gary Christensen. That's what he's saying. He's knocked on the door. He's come into the house and he's looking at Cornelius. He said, you know I don't belong here. (laughs) You know that in my bringing up and all that I've been taught and trained and all that I've been associated with, with the Jew, you know that you're unclean, Gary, and I'm not supposed to be anywhere near you. You know that. He's making a disclaimer. I love it. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to the words. You yourselves know how unlawful. I don't belong here, Gary. How unlawful it is for me, a man who is a Jew, to associate with a foreigner. He's laying it on. Or to visit him. But. Oh, I love buts. I love it when the Bible comes up with a but. But. God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That's why I came without even raising an objection when I was sent for. New hope? Hello? You got somebody out there that you think is too unclean for God? You got somebody out there that you think, I don't need to, I I can't associate with you. Man, I'm sorry. I I, I kind of like to... Gary, I'm sorry, you know I can't. And he has to change his mind in front of his so-called adversary, in front of the guy that's not as good as he is. But God said, I shouldn't call any man unclean or unholy. That is reality. That's a light going on. There are things going on in this chapter that you will dig and dig and you won't believe what you find out. Well, he's given his disclaimer. See, Peter forgot about Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Let me just quickly read seeing on. The eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had designated. When they saw him, he's going to go up. They worshipped him, but some were doubtful, and Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of only the Jews." Why are you shaking your head, Dan? Why would I lie to you, brother? Oh, that ain't what he said. Okay. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, these nations, to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. He forgot what Jesus told him personally. New Hope, we cannot afford to forget what this Bible is saying to us on a personal level as well as a corporate level. There are Cornelius's out there. By the way, it's not only Mr. Cornelius, there are Mrs. Cornelius's out there who are influential women and we need to know who they are because they are hungry for God. They are praying and praying and praying, doing not knowing what they're doing and yet God sees every one of them. And he's saying to New Hope, do you see what I see? He says to Cornelius, I love this. He says to Cornelius, Why did you send for me? And Cornelius explains the visitor. He goes through that entire explanation. The angel came to me, told me to do this, 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 and this. But verse 33, I really want to zero in on it. Cornelius has told him what happened on that little afternoon that he had espresso with cannolis. Verse 33, and so I sent to you immediately. This is Cornelius talking. And you have been kind enough to come. Now, for, don't forget, Cornelius is a full colonel. He is used to giving orders. Here's the order. Now, then, we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. He is saying, You're here. I got you here. The angel told me to get you, I followed his instructions. I believe in being a commander. I give commands. I have people above me. They give me commands. Now I'm giving you a command. You're here at the will of God. You talk to us, and you tell us everything that God commanded you to tell us. You hope. Don't look around and say, we're the preacher we're only a handful. There's more of you out there. there. I know there's some away. this is Father's Day. I understand that. But this is a church that I have said before in this valley that could reach 500 like that if you understand chapter 10 of the book of Acts. i got to quit. Peter tells the story of Jesus. I need to read this to you. So help me out here as I read verse 34. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. This is Peter talking. But in every nation, the man who fears him, that's God, and does what is right is welcome to him, God. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, You yourselves know the things which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. He's going back to John the Baptist about baptizing in water. He's going back telling the entire story of Jesus, okay? You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he, Jesus, went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This man hasn't heard this before. And we are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. He is still stuck where he was brought up, Jews, Jerusalem. But he's getting unstuck. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross, and God raised him up on the third day, granted that he should become visible. Cornelius has never seen God. Cornelius has never seen Jesus in the flesh. He's about to meet him in the Spirit. Not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is us, who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. Oh, you've got to read this. He ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him, Jesus, all of the prophets bear witness that through Jesus' name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin. That's the story that Peter is telling Cornelius. What's your story? You're knocking on the door of your Cornelius. What's your story, Dan? You've got a story. What's your story? You've got a story. Darn it, darn it. You've got a story. You, you, you know what God has done for you, and God has done for you things that no one else has received from God. That's your story that you've got to give to your Cornelius. Because he's seen you. He knows what you're like. He remembered when. And then he, now he sees now. Then and now. They're not the same. So he wants to know what your story is. What did Jesus do for you, Gary, that got you from where you were to where you are? That's the power of your testimony. Share it. Tell your story. Because that's the story Cornelius hears. Cornelius doesn't need to hear my story. I have my own, Cornelius. You've got yours. Okay? But he needs to hear that which has happened to you. Your story Of what God has done in your life is important. Somebody say Amen. Amen. I got to quit. The wall has been torn down, the setup has taken place. Now you got to let me read these other four verses because they're important. Verse 44 While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who were listening to the message. And all the circumcised believers, Peter brought some of his buddies with him. Do you know why? Because he knew he would talk, have to talk to the district officers up in Sacramento. And he'd have to explain to them, and, they, and the superintendent would say, Okay, Greg, how come you went down there to Overton? Well... You know, I took some people with me. Yeah, but You you know those people. You're not supposed to deal. I know, superintendent, I know. But I took some buddies with me, and let me tell you what we saw. He's got help with him to prove that he was on a mission from God because he knew some of his leadership would not be happy that he was messing with Jews. Everybody's learning a lesson from this. Not just Peter, but the whole Jewish shmoyo, or whatever you want to call him, All the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. As a result, Peter says, Whoa, 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 listen to what Peter says. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Can he? That's what he's got to explain to the district. Everything that just happened to him happened to us in the same fashion. We can't say, You're no good. We can't say, You don't belong. We can't say, You're not Jews, therefore you can't be a poor. No, no, no. He said, We saw what God did. This is critical that we understand what's going on here. And he ordered them to, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They asked him to stay on for a few days. I guess they would. The wall is torn down. Peter is a changed man, totally changed man, sees Gentile, heathen people saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking with tongues. Might I suggest that Cornelius and his family and friends are changed? Might I suggest that? Isn't that what we're looking for, a new hope? Isn't that what needs to happen in this valley? How do you think we're going to get from, we had almost 100 on Easter Sunday morning, 96, I'm not going to forget it, and you spank those that weren't here this morning. Be nice, be nice. How do you think we're going to get to 500? Do you think that getting a a full-time pastor is going to get you to 500 like this? No, 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 no. You need one. I'm praying all the time, trust me. But we are going to get together as a family and we are going to let God change our mentality and we are going to listen to God and we are going to see God tear down walls and we are going to let God set us up so that we can knock on Cornelius' door and say, let me tell you my story, my my, uh, appearances with Jesus, my reaction to him. Let me tell you what my story means. Cornelius has changed. Peter is changed. Cornelius' family and friends are changed. What wall does God want to tear down for you? And your friends who need Jesus? Will you walk through the door? <laughs> See, God can tear the wall down and just, you just kind of look. Oh, I, don't, I, I, don't like, I don't like the doorknobs on that door. I don't think I'll ring the bell. No, no. Are you ready? Are you willing to let God tear down the wall and then are you willing to knock on the door? Because that's what it's going to take, New Hope. That's. What, are you willing <laughs> to embrace Cornelius? He wasn't saved before you knocked on the door. He's not a Jew. Remember that. He's an Italian. Better looking than Peter. Because he's, a, you know, Italians are better looking. No, oh, never mind. Are you ready to embrace your Cornelius? Are you ready to see the hunger in that Cornelius that only you can feed because of what happened to you? Are you ready for that? Will you let God set you up? Oh, God. You're not going to believe this, but I'm going to tell it to you. Chapter 10 of the book of Acts is the account of the first Gentile evangelistic campaign preached by a Jewish evangelist. Hello? There is no other account. See, on on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached 3,000 were saved. A few days later, he preached again 5,000 were saved. We're dealing with Jews on those two occasions. This is the first time that anybody out of the born-again community, which is Jewish up until this point, has preached to Gentiles. Check it out. And he preached to a whole houseful of Gentiles and they got saved. Let me tell you something else. New hope? You're here alive today because of an Italian named Cornelius. You didn't know that. Tall, dark, rugged. A Gentile hungry for God was the man for whom God moved to take a Jew that thought so highly of himself he didn't want to talk to him and made him go over and talk to this Italian. And this Italian is the man who brought Christianity to the Gentile world by saying, God, I need you. Read your Bible. Read it. You're here. I'm here this morning. Because a man named Cornelius wouldn't stop praying. Go ahead. You want to stop praying? Go ahead. I keep kicking the devil in the butt almost every day that God will heal my wife totally. She's got things to do yet. We've got things to do in the ministry. I keep kicking his butt. I refuse to stop praying. Cornelius refused to stop praying and God saw him. And the Gentile church today, the largest, see the Jews gave up on Jesus. You know that. Don't you know that? Paul says that in the book of Romans. The Jews gave up on Jesus and they let it go and it was the Gentile world, Paul says we've been drafted in in, in the book of Romans. We, the Gentile world, have been drafted drafted in to, that, to the branch, to the trunk and we are now the ones who serve God and spread the gospel throughout all the world? Jesus told the Jews to do it and they said no. Cornelius comes along and says, I'll do it. Jesus said yes. Do you understand the power of the Word? Do you understand the power of the Holy Spirit? Do we, New Hope, understand that all we've got to do is to go out there and let God set us up and knock on? Cornelius' door, what a great return for that investment. What a great increase. What could happen? There are people of influence in this community, and I understand there's a brand new people of influence that came in in this community. I'm not going to mention any names, but you know who I'm talking about. What's New Hope going to (laughs) do? When you bump into that person of influence, you're going to say, hi, goodbye. And you can see the hunger, you can see the need, are you going to say, no, go, uh, I can't touch anything unholy or unclean, and you walk away? No, you can't do that. New Hope, you can't do that. One of the things I preached in the 10 months that God let me be here was that you were a family, and you were growing strong as a family, and family stands together. Family hugs each other. Family holds each other up. Family has each other's back, and family goes out and fights the war as a family to defeat the devil and what he's trying to do. Your family. You're God's family. And there's a Cornelius out there. Every one of you may have a Cornelius in your life. I preached this message a few weeks back in another church. And a man came up to me at the end of the service. Shook my hand. Told me his name. He says, "Uh, Preacher, I got a Cornelius in my life and he's worth millions. I've been working on him. I said, let's pray right now. We prayed together. Hello? Hello? You have no idea who's out here, but God does. God knows. That's what you need to see this morning. God knows who's out there. God knows who's hungry. The day has passed. They're born again. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Anybody want to tell me what type of person Cornelius is now? He prayed to God continually. Do you think he's going to stop praying? He gives alms to the church. Do you think he's going to stop tithing? He helps people. Do you think he's going to stop? This is a man of influence. Understand the greater degree of influence he now has with the presence of God in his life. That's Moapa Valley. That's New Hope Church. That's the Cornelius you're looking for. And you don't need, hear me carefully, don't misunderstand what I'm going to say, you don't need to wait for a full-time pastor to get there. You need a full-time pastor. We know that. But you need to get together and say, why don't we sit down and just dig a little bit in the Bible? Let's, let's get together over a cup of coffee. Do it at the church, do it in my backyard. Okay. But let's dig a little bit. What is it that God wants? Huh? Because there's a Cornelius out there waiting for you. What, do you. what type of father do you think Cornelius is now? You know some folks out there whose families really need... Father, influence, and they don't have it. But you may be the one coming along, and that may be your Cornelius, and everything may change. What kind of influence do you think Cornelius has now? Huh? Find your Cornelius. Find him. Let God tear down the wall. Let God set you up. And see revival. I, stop, I quit with this. Revival. I have been listening, as you know, to some prophetic voices that I trust. And while you got to be careful what you hear and what, what you ingest, they're all saying one thing that we are now in the midst of the beginning of a tremendous worldwide revival. Worldwide, not just the United States, but it's starting here. It's st- actually starting. I don't know if you know what's going on in California, but there are tent meetings going on. Do you know that? Does anybody know the name Mario Murillo? Okay. I had Mario in my church when I was in Central Valley, California. 40, 40 years ago. 40 years ago. I was just 16. He is now running tent revival meetings up and down the state of California. They're coming by the thousands. Okay. Do you think you're going to get a tent revival to come into this alley? What are the chances? oh. oh. It's all right. I made it. I made it. just didn't see it. I made it. God help me. What are, what are the chances that the tent revival is right here? What are the chances that we are the revivalists, not some... I, I, listen, I was on the evangelistic road for 10 years. I know what it is to preach to people. But I don't see, and I love Mario, I don't see him coming to Overton for a lot of reasons. You, you can't believe what it would take. But what about new hope? If new hope went out and you ran into your Cornelius and he suddenly gave his heart to God and you ran into your Cornelius, he suddenly gave his heart to God and you ran into your Mrs. Cornelius and Mrs. Cornelius and what w- it's called revival. And we can't give credit to an evangelist and is not looking for credit at all but we give all the credit to God. Listen to me. Listen to me. A new hope. This is what God wants for you. This is your revival time. This is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit right now for you. And when your friends get back after Father's Day, grab a hold. Go through this. Go through this with them. Go through chapter 10 and dig it out word by word by word and see what happens in your midst. Amen? Amen. Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what you mean to us. Thank you for your power, your love, your presence, the anointing, and for a group of people here at New Hope that love you with all their heart. There's work to be done God, and you know that. And workers are needed, and you know that. But you can change our mind just as you changed Peter's mind. And you can set us up just like you set up Peter and Cornelius. And we will follow through. And we will believe for the miracles of salvation, the baptisms of the Holy Spirit, and new people finding Jesus Christ. Healings of all kinds. Deliverances of all kinds. Because of the power of Jesus Christ. Keep your hand upon this great church of loving people. Bless them, Lord. Bless them like they can't believe. And let the power of your presence rule, not only in this church, but in this valley, as we choose to let you tear down the walls and set us up with the meetings of our Cornelius. Wherever the family is today, Lord, wherever they are, please be with them. Please keep the rest of New Hope family safe and sound and secure. And as they come back next week, bring them all together with a desire in their heart to learn more about you and your power and your love and your mercy. We ask this together in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said,